Dotnet Rocks episode 813 with guests Don Syme and Keith Patachi. Recorded live Wednesday, October 17th, 2012. This episode is brought to you by Telerik and by Franklins.net, training developers to work smarter. And now offering Gesture Pack, a powerful gesture recording and recognition system for Microsoft Connect for Windows developers. Details at gesturepak.com. And now here are Carl and Richard. Hey, Boston! Welcome to .NET Rocks! Wow, indeed. I love Cambridge. You guys rock. Cambridge, you rock. Boston, Cambridge, very close together. Indeed. Yeah. I think we, were, we were staying in Boston, but we're here in Cambridge, and it was just a short cab ride over. It's funny. We're near Boston. We're in Cambridge, and we're staying in Somerville. Okay. Somerville. That's how you say it, right? All these old New England towns are too close together. Yeah. It, it, this is the original horse cart road town yes and some of these roads come together you're like who designed these roads yeah some horse did that's what (laughs) that's what happened well we are at the microsoft nerd center with don syme and keith patachi and before we bring them on we have a little business to do what's that sir it's called Better Know Framework. All right. Roll the music. All right, what you got? I love that music. It's the best music ever. It's the best music ever. Do you guys like that music? Yeah. <laughs> Good music. <laughs> oh, man. What do you got? All right. You know, I actually play instruments, too, and they yeah. don't like that. They just want to hear the... <laughs> So if you go to tinyurl.com slash linkregex, L-I-N-Q regex, hmm. you'll find this blog post with yet another amazing C-sharp link trick, regex filter in a list. Really? Yep. Link for regex? Is that what you're talking about? Well, so here's how it starts. I really, really do adore C-sharp, especially with link. Top it off with a very convenient regular expression mechanism, and one can do wonders in C-sharp in one expression. Mm -hmm. You heard it right, one expression. Talk about language expressiveness. And he gives an example here that looks like a cartoon character swearing up and down. (laughs) It's really kind of ridiculous. Like most regex. But it's a very cool trick, and uh, that's... Just one nice little semi-functional thing that I found today. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Okay. I'll buy that. So tinyurl.com slash linkregex. All right. Know it, learn it, love it. Okay. Who's talking to us, Richard? Grabbed a comment off the show 803, which is the one we did with Alec Robson on polyglot programming. Oh, yeah. And we're going to talk to Alex later in the road trip, too. That's right. He's on one of our stops. I can't remember which one. I think it's Louisville. All right. And this comment. We're probably not going to remember much about Louisville. Just saying, that's Kentucky. Yeah, it is, it is Bourbon Town, isn't that's it? That's the, mother sh- yeah. the mothership. We're going to be running into liquor stores every 10 blocks and loading up. Just saying. I'm going to go to jail. Probably. Uh, this is a comment. I'm just saying that because I have to take all those bottles back to Canada. Shh, so. You shouldn't have said that. Yeah, okay. Have you seen our, our tracking website? We're already going to now jail. Now the customs guy's going to listen to this show and yeah, you're going to Yeah, that's going to happen. Nice. 
<laughs> this comment is from Michael, who says, uh, Great show, guys. I totally agree with Alex that breaking out of a monoculture can be a great value for you and your team. I myself would consider to be living in a dev monoculture using mostly .NET and Microsoft tools for writing and running software, but even just playing around with different languages out of your comfort zone and learning about paradigms different to the ones that you're used to can spark so many ideas and new ways of thinking about problems and their solutions. The thought that popped into my head listening to the show is how do you do efficient ALM with a system consisting of a variety of different components and runtimes? In a pure .NET world with Visual Studio, TFS, and IIS, we have a great tool set which works great out of the box. If you start using Node and Erlang and the like, you will probably start using different IDEs, different testing tools, different deployment and monitoring tools in addition to the ones that you already use. Managing all this while getting dependent on more vendors than just Microsoft and their release cycles is definitely a challenge. I would love to listen to a show about ALM in a really polyglot dev environment. What do you think? Sounds impossible. Yeah. But Anybody doing this? ALM in a polyglot? Yeah. It, two people in the it, audience. Isn't the answer Git? And yeah, GitHub? maybe. Yeah, GitHub yeah. solves everything. Uh, <laughs> Phil Hack's back there. He knows <laughs> the answer to GitHub. Uh, and uh, Michael says, P.S. I really hope that Alex is putting code out there that he is writing to, to use Erlang to make .NET applications more reliable using supervisors. Mm. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. That's a cool uh, comment, Michael. Thank you so much for it. And so we will send a .NET Rocks mug off to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, just write a comment on the website at .netrocks.com. And before we go any further, I need to tell you that Pluralsight offers developer training online. They have over 300 hardcore courses taught by industry experts, MVPs, people that appear on our show. They offer 8 to 10 new courses a month and uh, with a wide range of topics, including iOS, Android, Web, ASP.NET, HTML, JavaScript, just about anything on the Microsoft stack, including Windows 8 and Windows Store apps. Subscriptions start at $29 a month. Pluralsight.com. And with that, let us introduce one more time Don Syme and Keith Patachi. Don, uh, yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say, Don uh, caught me at the food bar and said, I, I can't believe how many people turned out for this. And I said, Well, you know, you're kind of a big deal. You're kind of the man. It's true. Uh, You're kind of a I big still deal. can't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. you, you, you guys put on a good, a good lot of food, I think. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> food, that's, that's actually Magenic who put on the that's food right. for us. We, yes. we, we just asked nicely, and it worked out quite well. Uh, the, can we call you the father of F-sharp? Is that fair? Uh you know, uh, you know, I don't know how these things have a long tradition, right? Mm -hmm. F-Sharp has a lot of stuff behind it, you know, sure. a lot of uh, OCaml behind it, a lot of other Haskell, Python influences, C-Sharp influences. Sure. Yeah, so, uh, you know, it all, it's all interlinked here. Now, and, uh, it, now that it's actually in the box in Visual Studio, you're a research guy, right? Aren't you done with it? Is it isn't it gone from you? It's over in Redmond now? Uh, we... We we didn't work like that with the F Sharp team. I think it's one of the uh, something I'm really proud of how mm -hmm. Microsoft Research and Microsoft operated. That we didn't that we and actually it, it sort of uh, it it yeah you know, we 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 did a kind of partnership between Microsoft Research and 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 the developer division right right, right through. I'm a big believer that when you do research, if you're going to make it real, you have to go with your research until it's. And, and until it's not only in reality, but until it's like, you know, until you know you have that feeling it's that soup. it's it's not just safe. It's not, not, it's not about safety. It's about 
it's about that that's the the right time to yeah. that you've done your job okay and you stick with things until you've done your job and you don't walk away from right. them we did that with generics as everybody know in c sharp we took mm -hmm. it all the way through i've been writing a bit about the history of that project out mm -hmm. on my blog some people have been here have been uh, been really actually really enjoyable today to follow to, to, to talk to some of the mono guys mm -hmm. uh, here yeah. here and to hear about them reading the history of that 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 project and how, how important history is in 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 some of this uh, so stuff you were that here we today do. for monkey space and you yeah that's right I'm actually in Boston for a, for a whole lot of reasons one of the amazing things uh, about the nerd center where we are today you know we've got uh, Microsoft Research in my home. Mm -hmm. uh, we've got just 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 nearby. We've got we've got Xamarin, uh, and we've they're holding the Monkey Space conference here today. Yeah, mm -hmm. and we've got some amazing Microsoft product teams uh, here. One of which is Cloud Numerics, which I've been visiting here. They are in in SQL Lab status at the moment. It's an incredible uh, set of Azure functionality, and I've been working with them. And it's all here in one building, and I get to visit everybody in like. Two days. It's just, and you guys turn up. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's the, the ice cream. I'm well, ice I, cream. I, I, yeah. I remember we way back when we were planning the conference, which was uh, planning the tour, which was months ago. I pinged yeah. you to see if you would participate, and you said, "You know, you happen to be coming into Boston on the same day as Monkey Space, and that's I've right. submitted my session there." You know, maybe we could work something out. And then uh, I got a hold of, it was Dale Reagan. Right. And there was a bit of scrambling going on, and it all worked out. Here we all are. Yeah, that's and tomorrow right. we're going on a duck tour. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, of course. We're going to see a Red Sox game. Nice. No. So now you're presenting here. We've got a chance to have a conversation. Uh, but I think I've got to ask Keith a couple of questions because he's sitting there. Absolutely. What is it you do with this this band? Sure. So I, I've gotten, I've had the great experience of being able to do a lot of different things. But um, a lot of what we've been working on is taking the F Sharp 3 features, which are now released into the wild with, Visual Studio 2012, um, and sort of pushing them to li their limits and seeing where can we use those features in, in, you know, where does it make sense to, um, so I, I guess let me back up a little bit. So mm -hmm. for those people who aren't familiar with what's in F sharp three, one of the biggest features is something called type providers. Um, and the idea is really that out in the world, there are a lot of, you know, huge data sources that you might want to program against that have schemas in one form or another. And it would be really nice to be able to program against those things in a sort of strongly typed way um, right in your language. And so what type providers do is really bring those external data sources into the language that you're familiar with and sort of embed them in F Sharp in this case. Um, and so a lot of what we've been working on is um, thinking of sort of, you know, where, where can we push that technology? Where does it make sense? What are sort of some of the common patterns that we see across different data sources? Uh, a lot of things like that. This portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by our good friends at Telerik, makers of rad controls for Silverlight. Stop writing all that code. Let someone else do it for you. Check it out. This is what they guarantee. Performance as you manage data in grid view. Rich, sleek data visualization with their chart, gauge, map, and time bar controls, and more. Seamless data interactivity with a variety of input controls, including rich text box. And intuitive navigation with their menu, tree view, breadcrumb, and time bar controls. You want to check it out? You get a free 60-day trial. Just go to telerik.com slash silverlightdnr. Remember that? 
Telerik.com slash SilverlightDNR. Download your 60-day trial, and don't forget to thank them for supporting .NET Rocks all these years. Do these types become consumable by CLR other languages, or are they just exist inside? Oh, no, 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 no. We're... we're we're uh, kind of keeping this F sharp only. F-sharp it's a little private only. feature. Yeah, yeah. If you want, if you want this one, you got to yeah. come to F sharp. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, one, he said with an evil is, grin. That's on right. His face. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's time to time to make you guys click on that. Right click on that new F sharp project. Kind of yeah. do take the big step. You know, dare to pollute your solution with an F sharp project and kind of see what <laughs> well, it, see what it see what it does for you. Yeah. So. Yep. It's interesting because we've seen, we've been talking to F sharp people from the very beginning of its existence. And, uh, originally we, we sort of got the idea that using F sharp was really the domain of science and big data and, you know, data intensive walking a lot of data, that kind of thing. And the question would always come up, would I use F sharp for, you know, line of business applications? And back then the answer seemed to be, no, you probably wouldn't. And the more people we talk to now, that's becoming more of a, a commonplace thing for people to build your standard line of business application with with F Sharp UI and all. Is that a fair assessment? Uh, well, no. I think we we stick to the party line in the from the Microsoft perspective, mm-hmm. which is F Sharp has a role as a code behind language. Okay, you know, and uh, I think it's important to be to be clear about that. You can. We're happy for the F Sharp community to take a different message, right? Sure. Actually, you know, F Sharp has a has a sweet spot as far as Microsoft is concerned, but uh, in particular, some F Sharp community projects are lighting it up in some really interesting ways, mm-hmm. which uh, which Microsoft um, uh, aren't directly vested in, but the the F Sharp community is is making things that are just amazing. And one I'd really call out is Web Sharper. The okay. HTML5 took it for uh, for F Sharp, and that's uh, that's that's just just great because you get homogeneous programming between server side and client side sure. in a .NET language. And I mean, we've got variations of that in Script Sharp. We've got variations in in some some other C Sharp to HTML5 things. But there's something about the affinity between sort of Java, JavaScript is very functional first, right? right? Sure. And F Sharp is a, is a functional first yeah, language. And I'm thinking and, Node.js yeah. in that realm uh, that you might be encroaching on there. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's definitely Node is uh, all about getting homogeneous between client and server. Yeah. And yeah. there's a, there's huge value in that. And uh, personally, you know, everybody here would know I, you know, a, Absolutely over obsessive about types. That, um, that my that my role in the .NET ecosystem has been making typed programming really f- fly in, right. in lots of interesting ways, uh, and I think that applies to to, to client server programming. I think we've seen uh, you know we've seen a lot of that with TypeScript, TypeScript coming out right. now as well. There's that trend in that direction. The types are back in fashion on the client side yeah. again, and uh, so. Um, yeah, so you asked a question like, "What's what's, right, what's the sort of the relationship there?" Uh, uh, were you asking like, "Well, what's like F sharp for? Uh, uh, in if what's its role?" Right. So Microsoft has a view of its role as a as a sort of analytical programming code behind language. Mm-hmm. It's a great role for 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 the language. Uh, but if you look more broadly in the F sharp community, we've got a lot of other interesting things going on as well. Mm-hmm. Anywhere that sort of functional mindsets like the JavaScript mindsets come in, it seems like F Sharp could step in there too. 
Yeah, I mean, the functional mindset is just like everywhere these it days. Sure it's is. not. It's not even. Uh, it's not even optional. I mean, one of the really interesting things to me about the TypeScript launch, when you look at it, was they. I don't think they mentioned that it's a functional programming language, yeah, right, right? right? Because and it is through and through. It's like everywhere. It's like lambdas and and function types, yeah, and mm -hmm. it's like it's it's kind of like some sort of ML, right? It's sort of ML in the functional programming tradition, uh, with a bit of structural typing and. And that's great because it's almost like functional programming is now has won so I mean mixed object oriented functional programming has won so convincingly that you don't even have to talk about and now it you just anymore. call it programming yeah, yeah that's, that's right, right. Yeah, yeah you just call it modern programming sure. or something <laughs> like that yeah so and, and it's uh, interesting you know, that it's not so modern I mean functional has been around for years and years and years well, that that's certainly certainly true. Typed functional programming has been around like since like, the seventies, and function untyped pro functional programming yeah. from well before that. But with this mix of object oriented and functional programming, that seems to be the what we're calling modern programming. Yeah, the yeah. yeah the 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 integration. I mean, as I said, from a programming languages perspective, it can look something like uh, we've seen back in the the seventies or or the proposals for structural typing in the in the in the eighties, but. Uh, it's. I think the comparison point is really with the 1990s, where we had like this unbelievable object-oriented orthodoxy going through the system. Yeah. Absolutely, mm -hmm. everything had to be like inheritance and classes, and and you couldn't. It, and you know, I'm really glad to see those days are long, long behind us. And, right. We generally uh, figured out that inheritance was evil, and we moved on. Yeah, at some point, Except finally, yeah, it's a bad, there was a bad ten years there where, and I still see. You know, I think all every one of us in the order has seen you know the the Java projects or mm. uh, that they suffer from just unbelievable mess of object thinking and the clarity. You know, I was looking. I said I'd call out Demis Pelio, but not only because of the project which we'll which we'll talk about in a bit, but he was showing me some of his code today in C Sharp. And it's unrecognizable from C Sharp 1.0. Yeah. Right. You know, the, it is just beautifully crystal clear, mixed functional, uh, object-oriented, uh, applicative programming. Hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I'm thrilled that, that, uh, all these languages have, uh, have taken the industry forward, uh, in, in, in this way. Yeah. Now, Keith, I, I want to jump back to this discussion about, uh, the, um, the unique type structures that you're working on. Is this actually something we're talking about in the context of F-sharp 4? No, no. So so what I've been talking about is stuff that we sort of were working on prototypes as F-sharp 3 was in development, okay. and now F-sharp 3 is out, and the stuff that we've been working on all works on top of F-sharp 3. Okay. Um, so if you have Visual Studio 2012, you know, we're, we're developing on, on top of that. And actually, it, it, if I can make a quick plug, one of the other things we worked on, um, there's a website called tryfsharp.org mm -hmm. where basically you can try out F sharp in the browser if you have a Silverlight plugin. Um, we're working on a preview site. Uh, well, the next version of that site will have F sharp three features in it, including type providers. Mm -hmm. And so if you go to preview.tryfsharp.org, um, you can try that stuff out right now in, in your browser. Hey, Richard. Yes, sir. You know what time it is. Must be that happy time again. Yeah, it's time to give away a Telerik DevCraft Complete Collection to oh. one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. Awesome. Today's winner is Daryl Skiard. Let's give Daryl a round of applause. 
No golf from, clap for you. From Halifax, Nova Scotia. Ah, just to the north of here. They listen to .NET Rocks in Halifax. Apparently they do. While they're out on their fishing boats. Nice. Uh, and he also says, P.S. Love in the album. That's some real honest, soulful blues. Yeah, no, you got some and good music reply. there, my friend. Well, anyway, if you don't know what we're talking about, go to the .netrocks.com website, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, sign up for the fan club, because every show we give away something, and every December we're giving away five grand worth of technology handpicked by Richard and myself. And I guess we're going to make the big ask here. So, Don, if you had $5,000 to spend on gadgets, what would you buy? <laughs> I'm not a gadget guy. No? I really, I'm, it's such a really, really hard question. I just don't. You buy Hadoop I, cycles. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> Big block of Azure time. Oh, yeah. man. I, that's just like a really funny question to be asked. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just, just. How, about, uh, a, how about a 64 core machine for the garage? Yeah, I've been saving a bit of money and I've fully, fully actually. Now here's could, a guy who could, wants the 64 core machine. <laughs> yeah. Everybody else is like, "What yeah. are you crazy?" Yeah, no, I, I, I just, yeah, I don't know. Keep on, would you do? <laughs> I, I fall right along with. Yeah, we're research, we're research guys. Give us a, give us some pen, pen and paper. So. <laughs> That's a lot of pens, man. Yeah. That's a lot yep. of slide rules too. Yep. And we have touched on this before, but can we uh, give a, a, a rundown of your favorite F sharp three features, Don? Uh, yeah, yeah, we abs absolutely. Um, I, I found the, 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 so, so, so I talked about the object oriented, mixed object oriented functional programming, sort of orthodoxy that's kind of taken over the industry, right? And that's, uh, that, that's all happy. But what's, what's kind of next for programming languages is what, is sort of what's been on my mind for the last three years when we look, you know, look beyond that. And one of the unbelievable trends in this industry is what we'd call the sort of the data deluge, right? Mm -hmm. You know, this, uh, uh, it's easy to, to, to forget when you're focusing on client side mm -hmm. kind of app programming. Right. But, uh, the, um, the, the, the explosion of data services on the open web, the explosion in size of, uh, data services, uh, the things like the Google knowledge graph that you can, uh, for example. Uh, Microsoft uh, had the Dallas project. Uh, the Dallas project in the Azure data marketplace mm -hmm. now is a great example of how we're seeing sort of a professionalization of data provision mm -hmm. on, on the web. And we, what we're what we're seeing is programs have to interact with these information sources, and these information sources no longer scale to what to the traditional the, the, the traditional techniques that we use to interact with these data sources no longer scale. Mm. My favorite example is is is, is Freebase, okay, which is uh, an a web on ontology. Uh, it's got like twenty million different entities in it. Maybe it might have like three million. Films. Mm -hmm. It might have like three hundred thousand. Um, uh, sorry, three three million books, three hundred thousand films, and you want to work with this data as part of your application. I mean, a typical thing is you might want to recommend a service to kind of as your or autocomplete service sure. that as you start typing the name of a film, you get the, you get get information coming back. The question is, Freebase is too big to code generate an API for Freebase, mm -hmm. okay? So how do we integrate that information into our 
programming languages, right? We need ways of interacting between the languages and the external world that, uh, that, that scale to those kind of information services. So, with that as a starting point, you then start to question some really fundamental assumptions in the history of programming languages, right? And one of the most fundamental assumptions about programming languages is that they form a closed world. Mm -hmm. Okay, you start with the program, and it's nothing but the code. We love that, that right. view. It's almost like part of the Western philosophical tradition of, uh, of how we write out logics, how we write out mathematics. It's like this closed world system, yeah. okay? And there's nothing, you start with nothing and you build up an, uh, a fantasy universe. And that's, yeah. as programmers, that's almost what we do. We live, we true. construct these fantasy universes. That only exists in our and, head, really. Yeah, that's right. And, um, but what if the programming language has a different role, which is to interface between you and the digital reality around you? Mm -hmm. And once upon a time, that dig digital reality was small. And now we have a digital reality, which is so unbelievably awesomely big in size that it's, uh, that it, you know, you can poke away in a tiny little part of it. Like you don't poke away on Freebase. It's one URL out of six, however, six billion or whatever yeah, on, on the piece, web. One query. Yeah. And you, and, and you can spend, you know, a long time in that part of the digital reality. What about the rest of it? How are we going to tame, bring all of that? into our programming language experience. Okay. Right. What happens when you have to touch all of that data and walk all of it? Yeah. And yeah. That, so suddenly you think, okay, the mathematics, this programming language system which we have is not about just its mathematics internally. Mm. It's about interfacing to digital reality everywhere, everything. Like uh, you got asked in a cafe, the, uh, like, what are you working on? What's a, I said, I've been writing a paper. So what's the paper about? Uh, everything, yeah. right? You know, it's like you, me, like from and the they, digital and light, say, hey, everything. You, you have any more of those mushrooms? Yeah, you that's right. So you, you go crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, so that's been the enormous fun of working on this F Sharp 3.0 feature because all we've done is take a programming language, we take apart that little bit of the compiler, which is how the compiler talks to the rest of the world, the mm -hmm. import logic, the symbol import logic, right? And you say, actually, let's make that a parameter, okay? Let's make it you can plug in a function, right, into it's the symbol import logic, which is allowed to go and, like, snuffle around in reality and draw out all the, all the, all the metadata mm. that's out there and provide it into your programming language experience, yeah? And from this starting point, we've, yeah, the applications are just unbelievable and, and endless, okay? Now, how would, I mean, as soon as you start talking about communicating with those things, I, I immediately think web services. That's what I've yep. been taught and what's yep. worked for me. Yep. How, what's wrong with that? Like, how are we, what are we thinking differently? Yeah, okay. So, one of the, the, the big differences in thinking is instead of talking about the protocols that are in the middle mm -hmm. or what's on the, what are the standards on the server side, we're focusing on the programming language side in a way that not only works with web services as one example of, of, of things you can mediate with, mm -hmm. but works for many other different things as well. Okay, we're opening up the programming language to talk to all sorts of scalable external information sources. Okay, so when it's not about a web service is about designing the protocol and, and committing to, you know, often a low, sometimes a lowest common denominator uh, protocol or, yep. but this is different. This is about saying actually the programming language is going to be an open architecture to many different scalable services. So, and, and to um, expand on that though, I mean, one of the built in type providers with F sharp three is an OData type provider. So, sure. the, mm -hmm. you know, 
obviously connecting to web services is hugely important. And that's mm -hmm. something that, you know, it's very easy to take those, you know, strongly typed web services and reflect them into the language in a way that makes sense. And I mean, going back to, I, I would say from my point of view, the other nice thing about F Sharp 3 is um, one of the things it really lets you do is kind of get quick feedback, sort of tighten the feedback loop, you know, close the loop. Mm -hmm. um, so one thing I love about F Sharp is type some code into a script or into an F Sharp file. You want to test out how it's working highlight it, hit Alt-Enter to send it to F-Sharp Interactive, and right away you can see the results. You don't have the whole sort of compile and then debug uh, cycle. Mm -hmm. um, and one thing that's great about type providers is they fit really well into that sort of a mold. So right. rather than having to say, okay, I know I want to go access the Netflix API and they have an OData web service, and so I'm going to code generate some C-Sharp classes that access that web service. Instead, you can say, here's the URL stick that in my F-sharp program, and then the, on the very next line, you're accessing movies and, you know, actors and, you know, whatever the objects are that Netflix exposes. Right. And so, again, it's it's all about that kind of really quick feedback. So, with, you know, that's right. There's no See proxy it. building involved. Well, uh, if there is, it's, what, if there is the it's behind the scenes yeah. and uh, it's, you remain entirely code focused, right. right? There's no, not even any like right click add service reference or anything. It's just like, it's just all just writing like, I want to talk to this service. I want to talk to this service. I want to mash this, this up with this. I'm getting these types, strongly typed data from all these different places and I get my result and, and mm -hmm. I republish the data to some place. When I think about about this, I'm thinking about long-running, long-running algorithms and, and 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 things that are happening uh, to traverse lots and lots of data. What are some of the the more interesting applications that we can that you can cite? Uh, well, the 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 applications uh, so applications of the mechanism. Um, so one one of my favorite ones is the F sharp R provider, right? So it's mm -hmm. actually like so we've got so, so, so with F sharp we like to do these judo throws, okay? So we <laughs> you know functional programming is faced with this whole world of like .dot net, right? Right. Or uh, what do we do? Or okay, objects, yeah. do we build our own frameworks? Okay, or do we you know we do the judo throw and we say actually we'll embrace that and we'll bring functional programming in. Mm with .NET and lots of good things follow from that. So we've got that same sort of thing with uh, statistical programming. There's this amazing environment called R, mm -hmm. which is used by statistician, many, many statisticians, even a majority letter, of statisticians. The letter R? Yeah, the letter R, yeah. yeah. And uh, great environment. It's got like 2,000 packages uh, contributed by you know, many different people to do a very advanced statistical analysis. Mm. So F sharp is kind of in that zone in, in it's kind of a math oriented language. Can people who like R probably like F sharp or you know that sort of thing? Sure. Yeah. But do we do we like just compete with that environment? No. We with the type provider mechanism, we can have a type provider which makes all of those R packages Exposed. automatically mm. available in F sharp. Mm. So you simply go, you install the R provider, you install R on your machine, and you go R and you hit dot. And every single pack R package that you've got installed on your machine suddenly lights up in F sharp. Yeah. Okay. In IntelliSense. In, right. in, in, in the tooling. IntelliSense. So you actually probably get, in some ways, uh, tooling that's better in F sharp to access that R functionality. Yeah, I'm than thinking perhaps. Exactly I'm not sure. This yeah, is I mean, the same thing you were saying yeah. all on the Netflix line. It's like, what if suddenly the web server was just, just extending your IntelliSense? Yeah. That you yeah. just see it and treat it as just another set of services. So you're typing the world, basically. That's the aim. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's but right. I, I, I sometimes joke that our next project for 
Microsoft Research will be everything.dll. Everything.dll. <laughs> <laughs> you do hash R on that, and you, that's what you get. Well, yeah. you know, and the thing yeah. I thought about R, because this is the first time I've heard of it, um, but, you know, that'd be difficult to Google. R. Yeah. R. Yeah. I, I, you, know, yeah. you know, F Sharp's not so easy either. But I appreciate the idea that if you've got a great stats guy who's used to working in R, rather than have him change his skills at all, you just plug him into your project. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. And so what type providers becomes is just a very general interoperability mechanism. Absolutely. And when you see it in that light, you actually it's actually there's actually real continuity here because in, you know, F-sharp F and Scala as well as another language, which is all about mm -hmm. uh, interoperability. And I think that, that, that actually shows us that, you know, f programming is becoming more and more heterogeneous. Absolutely. Right. And, uh, you know, it's so nice as academics to try and work on homogeneous systems where everything's in the same language. And it's nice to stop. We were talking about this before with ALM kind of systems, right? That it's nice if everything's homogeneous, but mm -hmm. we have to embrace a heterogeneous world and we have to have mechanisms right down in our languages. Uh, well, I think the type provider mechanism shows that we, if we put something right down in the, in the language and in the compiler and in, you know, in this basic tool we use to, 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 to help us control the complexity of the world, right. then, you know, good things can follow. Yeah. Right? Heterogeneous, yeah. heterogeneousness. Stops being an obstacle. It's it's just you know it's a natural way to work and yeah it doesn't really make any difference. I, like, I, I mean I think the ALM comment that, that you started with actually mm -hmm. shows there are many obstacles in heterogeneity, sure. but uh, the type providers is about saying that well at least with regard to typing that doesn't need you know you don't have to switch over to a dynamic programming language for instance you don't have to throw all those types out sure. just because you're talking to a system that's different to you so, you can actually put in the mediators to make the two systems two two systems that look incredibly different mm -hmm. actually talk the same language and, yeah. and, the, and the presumption is always when we have to do that dynamically surfing the web yeah you ever try to surf the web on your phone it's a little small Especially when you're looking at a big list like the new feature list for Active Report 6. Oh, yeah? Yeah, we've been using it for 15 years. You know, the coolest new feature, I think, is the new Silverlight Report Viewer. What's cool about it, of course, is it's both native Silverlight for printing, but it's also got PDF support. So that really minimizes the amount of data that has to come over the wire. Makes it a lot more efficient. Well, we've been looking for a good solution for Silverlight data viewing. Yeah, it's a great product. I, I think I'm going to order it. Not on that. No, not on here. I'll go to my desk first. Active Reports from Grape City Power Tools. Smarter components for smarter developers. It's almost like yeah. the, the surgeons of dynamic language is sort of pressed against the type folks to say, we need to do this better. And it, yeah. it feels to me like type property is really a way to go on this. Yeah, I think, I, th I mean, there are, there are cases where the world is like, uh, the schema is changing, you know, during program execution, for example, mm -hmm. that you, you have to, whenever you apply typing, you're, you know, you're putting it, you're baking in certain assumptions about things not changing. Okay. And so you have to be aware of that and, and be aware of the, that you have to use dynamic language techniques mm -hmm. when, uh, when change happens. Right. And, uh, when, but when, when you, when, when you can assume that change, isn't you've got stability, you know, you've got some ALM process for compiling, you know, continuous build integration progress mm -hmm. process, which is, you know, checking your code each night to, to see if the scheme has changed, for example, then yeah, you, you, you can, you can apply typing into, to interrupt between external systems. When I think yeah. of some of the big interrupt problems we've had in the last 10 years, the Java internet 
the java.net interoperability story has been a nightmare. Sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if I um if I could wave a magic wand, that would all go away and you'd just you'd all be running the same <laughs> I guess system. That's what I'm asking. And, and, another magic wand would be, you know, have some sort of uh, really standard interrupt mechanisms between these two, between various virtual machine environments. So that would, we all know that would do the world huge amount of good to, 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 to have that. Uh, we're, we're not there. That, that, that said, you know, there's no reason why you can't write a, a, a Java, uh, a, a, a Java file, uh, a class file kind mm-hmm. of provider for F-sharp. Mm-hmm. The interrupt will have to be at the level of transacting strings and integers rather than, well. Sure. And if you do objects, you're going to have to pin them and things sure, like that. Yeah. But uh, the mechanism is there to experiment with, you know, seamless interoperability between a .NET language and a and a and and the JVM ecosystem in a strongly typed way. And uh, I mean, there are other ways of doing that. You can you can run the um, the the. the the virtual machine translators, the, the IKVM, IKVM, isn't it? Yeah, we've um, is he is person who does IKVM here? There he's uh, over there, over there, JB. Awesome. Um, you uh, mentioned pinning just a minute ago, and that might have gone over a lot of people's heads. But you're talking about basically telling an object that it can't move in memory. Is that right. right? Yeah. So if you're going to get two virtual machines talking to each two other, you're going to have to uh, share. Well, right. they're going to have to, in some way or another, kind of transact object handles between yeah. the, between the two. That gets most hairy. most of the kind of interoperability that we've been looking at, like interoperating with services, you don't have to actually send references to your objects to sure. the other services. You're you marshalling to them. Yeah, it's all marshal in, marshal out, for better or worse. Yeah. Because I mean, battles I've certainly had. If we go back a few years, when we started being able to treat these remote groups of data as if they were local, you know, it all worked the same. Is now you started constructing joins or parses that related two or three of them together, and stuff just took a long time, and often it was very challenging to see why. Yeah, I mean, this this absolutely remains a challenge. The uh, the, the mechanisms we have in F sharp three don't directly address that. You can mm-hmm. sometimes do some of it through typing. Like we all know that when you see an I queryable, you know, it's probably a remote thing, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And you've got a, uh, but that doesn't help with joining across those those structures. Uh, I don't think anyone has got a grip on that either at the server side to allow us. To kind of obviously you're going to need help on those if you're going to do joins across things. I got to be servers that understand certain protocols. Sure, I mean, but, how much you want? But even it? on the language side, we we I don't think we've got a grip for that sort of the resource uh, tracking resource usage in languages uh, in. Uh, because yeah, it's tricky to do because the more you do that in the language, the more that gets in the way of what the programmer's thinking. And I like to differentiate between. Data scripting as an activity mm-hmm. where it's time to insight that counts. Uh, and I guess it would be like data access engineering where maybe you're writing an app and you desperately need to minimize the, the, the transaction, the number of transactions you're doing with the server or right. something. And they, those are two, two surprisingly different programming problems. And you tend to, uh, change your data access mechanisms according to whether you know you engineer them according to whether you're supporting data data scripting or or, or app engineering. Yeah, you mentioned iQueryable. What is the relationship between Link and F Sharp? Yeah, so part of what we've done in uh, in um, F Sharp 3.0 is to add Link uh, queries into F Sharp. We've not only added Link queries as they are in in C Sharp, but we've actually made them 
like the syntax is like super extensible. So you, you know, all, all these things that you put outside the link query in C sharp, like your dot distinct and your dot um, first and so on, you can put those in the query syntax in, in F sharp and, and you can actually uh, create new query syntaxes as well for, for different kinds of queries, like queries that don't have joins, for yeah. example, or have new operations in them. You've been working on that. A bit. Do you want to say a bit about that? Sure, sure. So, I, like Don said, you know, I think uh, the F sharp approach is really nice. So, one of the problems in C sharp is, as he said, you know, sometimes it's hard to know whether you should be using the fluent syntax or you know, adding the method calls at the end, and you have to switch back and forth. So, um, for iQueryable, that's all built in. Um, but there is the ability to build what we call query builders for other data sources as well. So, like SharePoint has a concept of not only you know selecting things out or sorting on them, but actually expanding certain entities when you're doing a query. So you could build a SharePoint query builder that has an expand operator, and so you know you say for each you know entity in my table, expand the you know the title property or something like that. And so you can build your own query builder that's going to have sort of a, a much more natural language for accessing that type of data source. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So, so one another example of that is uh, when we're talking about doing kind of Hadoop programming right. uh, and Hadoop query programming, then you you get these query operators, which uh, because because there's multiple machines in, involved in, in running your Hadoop tasks, and you have different kind of uh, you know um, aggregation operations, then yeah, you get different natural query operators dropping out in in, in your query syntax. And another great one is RX uh, as as uh, as well. That's uh, that has a React Extension. Reactive extensions, and when you write queries in that kind of system, you're writing a very different, uh, extended kind of query. And so, we want a query syntax which expands to all these different cases. Yeah, I mean, RX is a totally different thing. It's um, here's an expression which you could call a query that's going to raise events when things yeah. fall into its trap, so to speak. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And so, the notion of joining, for instance, becomes different. Instead of joining on a key, on equality between two keys, you can right. say, I want to join with everything that's sort of nearby this in time. Yeah, right. Okay. And uh, that's the kind of thing that we want to be able to express in the F sharp query syntax. That's pretty broad syntax. So, yeah. It puts link to shame. Yeah. Yeah. So, adding, adding link has been a, been a big thing but i kind of actually think of f sharp 3.0 is sort of being link 2.0 hmm. okay eric's gonna kill me for saying that <laughs> right? i was gonna uh, bring that up actually. yeah you know i'm not allowed to say that because he's got you know i'm sure he's got a he's know, got plans. he's got ta he's got trademark on, on the link brand name <laughs> um, he doesn't talk to us anymore, yeah um so uh eric um Link 2.0, because it's, you know, link address the remote query side of things and, and type data access for, 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 for relatively you know, small schemas. Mm -hmm. And we've made, you know, we've extended that out to be sort of type data access for, you know, you know large, you know, very for large everything. schemas. Yeah. Dot DLL. Yeah, yeah. Everything dot DLL. Yeah. yeah. That's my trademark. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like this is the magic version three that, you know, all the, everything the Microsoft puts out. Version three is like the version. Well, right? the next version's got to be 3.1. Well, okay. <laughs> 3.1, yeah. yeah. Like, I, we got to mention, you're not done yet. I, I'm still fascinated this interaction of what part uh, you work on for F Sharp versus what's get done by DevDiv. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I, to be honest, about for, with next steps for like F Sharp 4.0, I'm mm -hmm. actually not sure because, you know, what we're hearing from F Sharp users is they want better tooling. 
Right. Okay. And yeah, the tooling we've got is okay. We put a lot of uh, investment in IntelliSense this time around mm-hmm. to get that a lot more accurate and, and a lot more performant. And uh, the, you know, I actually think it, it, it you know, a, a good product cycle where we really concentrate on tooling is pretty much a good thing. Uh, we're, but we're in the early days of planning. The other really important thing for F-Sharp is its role, especially on the Azure platform. Oh, really? Yeah. So, uh, and that, you know, everything we've been talking about has such a natural realization for big data programming mm-hmm. on Azure. One of the uh, type providers we've been putting together is for doing Hadoop programming with F-Sharp. Mm-hmm. So, you can just do strongly type programming through to your, you know, uh, through to your Hive uh, um, and HDFS tables mm-hmm. on Hadoop. And, you know, when we talk to practicing big data practitioners, you know, say from, uh, we've got a guy on the F-Sharp uh, research team uh, uh, who used to work at eBay Research. Man, that, that world of big data, it's like it looks so nice when all you're doing is word, word count on, on, you know, the, on, on the works of Shakespeare or something. Right. But when you get practicing big data teams, they get thousands of tables with thousands of properties. Right. And if you haven't got strong typing to be checking, you know, your, to actually your stuff, match stuff well. Yeah. Then you're just in, you're just in, you know, hell yes. of, of meta, you know, yes. a weekly type meta. Hell of a, yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, I'm pretty confident that the F sharp feature set, uh, F-Sharp 3.0 feature set, um, we don't necessarily have to extend the language, right? Because we've got this huge interoperability extension point called type providers, mm-hmm. which we can, ex- we know we can exploit in a range of different ways. So maybe, you know, maybe F-Sharp 4.0 is not about putting lots of magic into the language, but it's about, uh, using the features we have to serve, you know, from the Microsoft product perspective to serve to play the platform role that the language has to play. Well, uh, this has been .NET Rocks, and uh, thank you very much. I'd like to you to give another big round of applause to Don Syme and Keith Patachi. <laughs> Thanks, guys. And we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks! Yeah. Oh, come on, you can do better than that! Thanks for listening. And remember, Pluralsight.com is where you can get 200 free minutes of developer training online. Pluralsight.com. .NET Rocks is recorded and produced by Pwop Productions, providing professional audio audio mastering, video, post-production, and podcasting services. Online at www.pwop.com. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter and offering custom on-site classes in Microsoft development technology with expert developers. Online at www.franklins.net. For more .NET Rocks episodes and to subscribe to the podcast feeds, go to our website at www.dotnetrocks.com. Got a transmitter band by the FCC.